Welcome to Wind Down with Kev, a weekly podcast with Kevin Spann, the insurance guru. Each week, listen to Kevin discuss current hot topics with community leaders, business owners, and more. Welcome to the third episode of Wind Down with Kev. My name is Kevin Spann. I'm your host. I'm Kevin Spann, the insurance guru. By day, I'm an Allstate agent. I own and operate an insurance agency located in Middle Village. And by night, once a week, I turn into a podcast host. And this is Wind Down with Kev, episode number three. And tonight, I'm joined by two wonderful guests. So the first question that we always open with is, what's in your glass? Um, I'll start the conversation off. Tonight, I'm drinking a nice... Pinot Grigio, a nice white wine, 2017, very good year for me. I'm joined by two of my good friends, two of my coaches. We'll get into that a little bit later. I'm going to ask them what's in the glass, then they'll introduce themselves, and then we'll just have some fun. So let's get the party started. What's in your glass? So we have the Pinot Project. So we have red wine, we have Pinot Noir. So we we have the red to your white Pinot. Beautiful. And Billy's drinking the same thing? Same thing. This is his favorite. Pinot Pinot Noir is my favorite. Outstanding. Outstanding. (laughs) We didn't uh, didn't plan this, but we wound up with a little Pinot. Definitely something nice to relax to and get into. So um, this is going to go out to people that don't know either me or either you guys. So why don't we start it off by telling our listed audience a little bit about yourselves, one at a time. Ladies first. Good job, Billy. My name is Melissa Kaliri Rom. Um, I am Kevin's digital coach. I run the marketing for mostly baseball companies and some professional agencies as well. And I focus mostly on e-commerce and professional services. Outstanding. And who's the handsome gentleman sitting next to you? Introduce yourself. His name is Sheldon. <laughs> uh no no that sheldon issues next to you um so my name is bill rom uh i am a strength and conditioning coach i own a facility in farmingdale uh on long island and i am lucky to be married to the lady next to me uh, i also happen to be the coach for both uh trey span and kevin span uh and that's just a little bit about me that is awesome so it's exciting to uh join you guys in this format so for my listening audience uh one thing i want you to know and take away from me uh one of the things i live by is a quote by michael jordan is that nothing great can be achieved without having a coach so tonight's guests these are two of my coaches melissa's my digital coach uh we've been working together since the beginning of this year and Billy is my conditioning, my strength coach. Started out with Trey. Uh, the whole time he was working Trey out, Trey kept encouraging me, Dad, don't drop me off coming to the gym. As soon as Trey left to go to school, I had free time, and I began to get in a little bit of better shape. So if you see me on videos or from the T-shirt now and I look a little better than what I used to, uh, we toast to, to Billy. So let's toast to, to that first. Let's raise a glass to coaching and being better in everything we do every day. So, uh, Wind Down With Kev is all about 
talking to people and finding out how do we relax and all that we've been going through. Um, I always like to talk about life before the world ended and then how we make those adjustments. Yes, Billy, before the world ended. Um, I like to mark that date, my birthday, March 16th, when everything stopped this year. Um, tell me what life was like for you, uh, typical work day before that, uh, both of you, and then let's talk about uh, what the last 100 plus days have been since we've gone through the pandemic. You can start because you had a much, my workday hasn't changed much. Uh, so my typical workday before the world ended uh, was I will typically wake up in the morning, uh, work on another business, uh, the clothing company that Melissa and I uh, run and work with together also. And I'll, I'll have meetings, I'll do things for that. Then uh, somewhere around midday, I become full-time strength coach and I would coach sessions pretty much from one o'clock in the afternoon until about eight 30 at night. Uh, when the world ended on March 12th and they told me that I had to fully shut down my gym, uh, we are also phase four. So we will not be allowed to reopen the gym until uh, July 8th. So it's going to look about 120 days, roughly, that will have been closed. So uh, the world was definitely different on that side. Um, how my world looks different now, uh, I went to school. I went to Stony Brook University. I studied marketing, um, which uh, my lovely wife here has really dove into and taken to a different level. And I've been able to spend some time with her and do some projects and do some things there to keep my brain active. Uh, I'm 175 pages into a book. Nice. That I decided to write when quarantine began. Uh, and yeah, that's a, that's a, a rough snapshot of now is a, a, a little less regimented, but, uh, I've gotten to explore some new things and try some new stuff. Okay, so Billy, let's stay with your, your writing. Uh, one of the things that you and I found in common beyond working out is we started talking about reading. Uh, you're talking about how many books you read a week. Uh, we got into conversations about the Audible app, which I was beginning to listen to a little bit, but I shared with you that the only thing that stopped me from reading more books was that it was going too slow. At that point, you took my phone, you put the speed on 1.5, which allowed me to listen to more books faster. And um, I've got to thank you for that because probably from the time you did that, in like a three month period, I probably read about 12 books on my commute to work. So that was, uh, that was awesome. And not only did you speed it up, we talked about some uh, really good books to read that I did go through. If I could uh, think of them, I'll bring them up. But definitely an awesome thing that I've shared with a lot of people. Um, nothing like reading and listening to books on Audible to really take off and to grow. Okay. For sure. For and sure. I, so one of the things I, I, I forget who I, I learned it from, but the, the idea was roughly that inside of your car, you have the ability to have self-directed education and a college course would typically be that you're going to have about 30 to 35 contact hours a semester. So okay. if, you, if you listened 
to 30 to 35 hours of an audiobook or self-guided education, you were pretty much giving yourself a semester of a class. So the car is a perfect opportunity to not waste time. It's an opportunity for you to invest your time wisely. I mean, you the audiobook to like three times speed. I, Kevin will get to three times speed. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta grow into it. If anybody ever needs to get secrets out of me, just put books on tape on it three times speed. That's like my own personal torture chamber. You can't, I can't do it. <laughs> you, you, now that's three times speed is a lot. I'm real good with one and a half times speed. I can hear it and enjoy it. Um, that's like getting on a treadmill for me and putting it at the top speed. Not for me, not now, not yet. Uh, Melissa, let's talk about uh, life pre-COVID, uh, during and post. What's the transition been like for you? Yeah, so before COVID, my days were pretty much that I would wake up kind of whenever and start my day. I would do my online consulting. I usually worked from home. I'd go into the office in Farmingdale, usually three days a week. And some days I would work later because I work with people on the West Coast. But for the most part, it was email marketing. It was making sure that everybody's social media schedules were going out. It was having meetings on Zoom. So I've been using Zoom for years for meetings because my clients are all over the country. So for me, this wasn't a huge trans transition. The one thing that has been pretty big for me is I used to travel a lot for work. Um, so I used to leave probably every two months I'd be gone um, for at least a week or at least a few days. And this I think has been the longest I haven't had a trip planned out for. So that's been the biggest thing. Um, once COVID happened, one thing that I really did transition into was just trying to help people really move online. So brick and mortars, making sure that they had a product or a gift card that they could sell online. And we spoke about it a little bit when everything shut down, but barbershops, hair salons, nail salons, anybody that was impacted by the shutdown, the number one thing I was trying to do was just help them get e-gift cards set up. And it was just entirely free, whatever people could do, because I knew that it might be several months and for some of them it was 90 days 100 days before they were able to get people back in and they still can't be to full capacity but one of the people i helped they were able to pay their rent so it was really cool to be able to be a part of that no that that's definitely awesome um melissa you and i met through billy obviously um you guys are also newlyweds we'll come to that in a second but i remember when i first talked to you our first meeting i believe was in january of this year, I think we met the Starbucks, and I came to you because I said, I run a retail business in a digital world. I drive every day from West Babylon to Middle Village, about a 35 mile drive, about an hour and a half commute, uh, one way an hour and a half commute coming back. And I love what I do, but I don't love my commute. And uh, the reason that we click so well is because I wanted to make the transition from a retail world to a digital world. And I was fortunate that we started three months before everything changed. And working with you has made this process very, 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 very seamless. Uh, Billy, you talked earlier about taking a course. That's what it's been like for me, all the things that I've learned, digested, and worked on with you during this time. So let's get off the uh, serious stuff. Let's get on a couple of uh, fun topics for a change. You guys are newlyweds. You guys are newlyweds. When did you actually get married? What's the actually date that you guys got married? October 26th. 2019. October 26, 2019. And you're, well, you're 
not even at your first anniversary yet, but I tell you, the, the quarantine, you've probably spent more time together than my wife and I have spent together in 34 years. We've never been together this much as we've been together in the last, uh, in the last 100 days, but it's a beautiful thing working remotely, working from home, and you guys are still together, so I can easily see 30, 40, 50 years down the road for, for you guys, that's awesome. Um, let me ask you a question as newlyweds yourself, as a young power couple, um, were you scheduled to attend the weddings of any friends this year that had to be canceled because of everything that happened? Yeah, yes, we actually sir. just got a, um, we changed the date. Let, so like a save the date, but it says we changed the date. So we had gotten a save the date from our friends a couple months ago. They weren't sure what they were going to do. And then we got a whole new card mail that said we changed the date and they pushed it back a year. Okay, that, that's really understandable. Talk to the people about where your wedding was at. Billy, I know you and I have talked a lot about it. You guys had a, got married at a really unique place, uh, some really unique food and a good time. Uh, talk about that for the audience, about where your wedding was at. Uh, give them a picture of the environment. So we got married at a place called Jedediah Hawkins Inn. Uh, it's a bed and breakfast uh, out in uh, Jamesport. Jamesport. Uh, on the east end of Long Island, uh, Melissa and I enjoy our wine, uh, okay. and the vineyards out east are a big component of what we do. Uh, so we enjoy in the springtime, summertime, even into the fall. We enjoy driving out there, spending the weekends, going out, maybe hitting up a couple of the different vineyards, trying different food, and just enjoying what's going on out there because it's definitely a slower pace of life uh, than even we have in 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 this area you know we're we're right along the 110 corridor on the north shore um in south huntington and uh it, it's a lot of people here out there it's easy so we were out there one time and we were driving to i don't even know where we were going to a vineyard and there was a fire there was a fireman in the middle of the road collecting money in a boot for a fair <laughs> so, and we got redirected down a side street and I saw this like Victorian mansion and I went <gasps> and he slammed on the I brakes. thought I thought I was about to hit something. Oh my god. I don't know what I missed. Um I was I was gonna need to call Kevin any second now <laughs> with this sudden abrupt accident that I almost caused. Uh but then we looked to the side and there's this old Victorian mansion home. Uh they don't it's named Jedediah Hawkins Inn for the original owner Jedediah Hawkins. Uh, they don't know exactly what he did. Um, they had heard that he was an abolitionist. They heard that at some point in time, he was also um, doing, uh, he was like smuggling alcohol illegally. They don't know what exactly it ended up being, but uh, his home had secret underground area um, that uh, they ended up revitalizing, reviving, taking the entire property in the house and turning it into this really, really cool bed and breakfast. Uh, we went there, got dinner. Dinner was fantastic. We walked the grounds and uh, this was. It was your birthday. Maybe how many years birthday. in? Five? five. Yeah. Yeah. So we had been together for about five years. We were together for a very long time. I met Melissa uh, relatively young. Um, so uh, we, she had said that night how she was like, this is perfect. Uh, so when we were thinking about wanting a wedding, she was like, my number one, number two, number three, all the way to number 100 location 
that I wanted to married in is Jedediah Hawkins. Uh, so we got married there back in October, fall wedding, and it was a, a perfect day. I'm pretty sure it was like 66 degrees out, sunny, no clouds. Nice. Uh, we, we couldn't have asked for a better day. And uh, they're a highly rated restaurant. They have great food. It's a beautiful spot. They have breakfast. They have dinner. Uh, the best chocolate chocolate croissants you'll ever eat, which the, I've been wow. yeah. When you for months. when you stay there, you wake up in the morning and you have breakfast. Um, and the breakfast is served to you whenever you're ready. Uh, you just show up down in the solarium. They have this big open glass room that you can just hang out in. It's heated. It's air conditioned. So no matter what the weather is, you're ready. And uh, the breakfast is unreal. And uh, still to this day, my guys, like my, my groomsmen, um, I had a whole breakfast set up for us down in the speakeasy in the basement, which okay. is the original, you know, like hidden room that they had. And uh, the potatoes that they have there are like life changing, unreal. Um, they're, they're so good. They have truffle oil potatoes, roasted potatoes. Wow. Kevin. <laughs> everything I ate there ever I've had burgers steak short ribs whatever their potatoes are their best thing Josh, okay, so I gotta I have to stop you there because my wife loves everything truffle we go to Zinburger specifically for truffle fries so <clears throat> they have amazing truffle potatoes I'm sold you you had me real early in the conversation at abolitionists you yep. then had probit prohibitionists then you added the uh, the speakeasy element to it, and now you know we we multiply it by talking about the food. I'm definitely sold. Uh, I imagine they'll be reopening in phase four, so that makes it to very high on my to do list to check out before we'll the end. Of we'll we'll have to plan out a weekend with you guys, and we'll go and we'll all spend some time. If if yeah. if you haven't frequented the uh, East End too often. Uh, we, we can make a whole weekend into a uh, exploration into everything East End because there's a few different hidden restaurants and hidden bars. They're in uh, in uh, Greenport Village, there's a hidden speakeasy uh, below a pizzeria um, wow. that, that people don't really know about. So we, we'll get you guys into there. And, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a great time. And, again, there's a lot of history out there. Okay. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that we forget about Long Island in general and how much Long Island was, you know, did great things. And, you know, also some of the stuff that we were the bridge between. And Absolutely. There's, there's both history we're uh, proud of and parts of history that's, um, that's, that's not known where, you know, you mentioned abolitionists, obviously Long Island played a role there. Uh, there's a couple of famous movies that are based on uh, Amistad that's based on things that happen um, in the east end of Long Island. We're definitely familiar with the uh, North Fork, more so than the South Fork of Long Island, but we're usually just driving through. Uh, we always go to the ferry from Orient Point, but it's always a pass-through, so we don't get, we haven't had really a chance to stop at the vineyards to really enjoy it. We'll go to a lavender farm that's right off of 25. We'll take that in, but definitely there's more to see and more to do. Let's take the conversation in, in another direction. Um, you guys grew up where? What schools? I went to Whitman. You went to Whitman? I went to Elwood John Glenn. Elwood John Glenn. Okay. Yeah. Both diverse schools. Talk to me about uh, 
kind of the ethnic composition of the schools and talk to me about uh, what that was like then. We were actually just talking about this last night. Yeah. Um, my school, especially when I was there, was, I believe it was either 30 or 40% Hispanic, um, and then probably like 20% black and then 50% white. Um, I mean, it was definitely interesting because we got to experience a ton of different cultures from the time that we were in kindergarten. And just talking to some friends who've gone to Cold Spring Harbor and other schools, they're definitely more sheltered in terms of experiences of people. And I feel very fortunate that I was able to go to Whitman and go to South Huntington schools and experience not just one ethnicity, one like, I guess, tax bracket was really cool for me. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. And, and for me, I mean, I wasn't too far away. Uh, my house is in Huntington, but Elwood is kind of a conglomerate of a lot of different places. So there's Huntington, Greenlawn, Northport, East Northport. Uh, we, we press up against Harborfields, Walt Whitman, um, Dix Hills, Comac. Uh, so we have a lot of schools that go against us. I think our, I, I don't know exactly the blend of what our, our cultural ethnicities were, but uh, I know we had a, a Asian population. I think we were about 20% black, uh, predominantly white though like most of the schools on Long Island. Um, but for me, I grew up in the side that was closer to Walt Whitman High School. Um, I grew up, my friends and me, I grew up for, and spent most of my time in what would be considered the black neighborhood. Um, my best friend, Brian Carter, uh, was who I spent the most time with. So I think to some degree, uh, especially for me, I got sheltered in a different direction. Okay. <laughs> from the segregation of, of even our school district and our town, because where I grew up was diverse. But if I went to the other side of our school districts, no diversity. Absolutely. Uh, Long Island is interesting. And uh, we've probably never had this conversation, really, but just your choice in music in the gym and your uh in your in your audience you listen to much harder hip-hop than what i play in, in my car and if i had only met you by by voice and not in person i would have no idea um who you were or what your background what your background was you definitely have adopted a lot of uh mannerisms and everything from the other side you you and i have had this conversation i think before in the in that um i I speak differently depending on the population in which I'm presented. Of course. You know, and I think that there's a lot of people who I grew up with who have to do the same. And it's my, my, my prim and proper version of myself is, is not who I kind of am all the time. Um, so again, I, I like the fact that for me, I, I think that, that that's one of my favorite parts of myself yes. is – that I I don't I don't dabble in one side of anything. I experience everything to the fullest extent that I possibly can. That's people, that's cultural, that's whatever I can, because I enjoy that and I I like that. And I think more people need to lean into the things they don't know 
because they don't get to see the things that they're missing. Um, that's me. I think that's, I think that's well said. Um, one of the things that, that I hope to do in just doing this is getting comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. So I like throwing some of the random questions in there and letting people talk. Uh, we're in a very divisive time in our country where everyone wants to paint everyone with one brush. They want to divide the world into two teams. And that's not the world that I live in. Uh, literally, I was just driving home from uh, the Wheatley Heights area, uh, coming into Wyandanch, and I had to stop because there were a couple of cops playing two-on-two -two basketball with a couple of kids. Um, black cop, white cop, Spanish kids, black kids, and they're playing two-on-two, -two, and uh, they're telling me to go by. I said, nope, I'm going to film this, and I'm going to post it so it can go viral so people can see that it's not uh, two worlds out there. There's a whole lot of people. Um, there's diversity in everybody, and there's so much to live for, so much that we can learn from each other, and uh, just enjoy life. All right, let's shift the gears down. Let's talk about something else. Um, baseball, 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 baseball. You guys eat, sleep, and drink baseball. Uh, Melissa, you mentioned that you used to travel more for uh, for business. Let's talk about what uh, would normally be happening with baseball with you guys, some of the places that you would have been, and uh, talk about um, what you're hearing and what we should expect from the uh, baseball this season. Well, we'd be in Omaha right now. We would be in Omaha. I would have driven 21 hours. I would have crashed the rider truck. To Omaha, Nebraska. And we would, at be, we would be at the College World Series right now. Um, for two weeks. For two weeks with our, with our other company, Baseball Lifestyle, uh, setting up a pop-up shop. So that, that was, that's one place. So but usually we stay in an Airbnb with five other people and it's not exactly comfortable, but it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Well, we always get the, one of the benefits of me being the only woman in a baseball world is I always get my own room. Okay. And then double down the fact that we are the only married couple. So okay. We our own room and we always get the master suite. Nice. So we're usually comfortable I'm while usually other good. people aren't. Um, <laughs> I would have gone to spring training this year. Um, I went in Palm Beach last year. Um, I was supposed to go out to Arizona this year. One of my clients is Trevor Bauer, so he's in Arizona right now. Um, his company, Momentum, they're based in LA right now, but they were in Arizona. So I was gonna go out there. Um, and then we are partners with this company, Baseball Youth, and they have events all over the country. So I would have been going to Kentucky. I would have been going to Ocean City. I probably would have been going to Texas. Orlando. Um, definitely going to Orlando. Um, Nevada. I wouldn't have gone to Reno. I probably would have ended up going to Reno. <laughs> talk, talk, to, talk to the audience about Baseball Life 101. Tell, them, tell people what Baseball Life, exactly what you guys sell, exactly what you guys do in the baseball world. I'm going to turn it over to the owner here. <laughs> uh, so I'm one of the owners, and Melissa is our chief marketing officer at Baseball Lifestyle 101. Uh, we sell baseball and uh, inspired apparel. So uh, years ago, one of my athletes, uh, one of the kids coming to the gym was interested in starting a business and he didn't really know what it was like to do some of the ins and outs of it. So his father had worked for IBM. Um, so he, he, he knew corporate life, you know, it wasn't uh, the startup grind and the things that go into it. So he started the, the athlete started a Instagram account. It grew to 5,000 followers at the time in 2013. That was a lot. 
um, because it was nobody had had one. Um, he came to me and he's like, I'm, I want to start selling clothes. And I broke down, you know, what conversion rates were, what percentage of your people are actually going to buy from you, uh, what it was going to cost for you to actually get that and how much money he would make. And when we broke down the number, he's like, so I'm only going to make like $1,500 this year. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. And he's like, so I have nothing. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Um, I was like, but you have a start. You have this great opportunity. Uh, and I think here are some ideas that you should go. Um, fast forward to today, uh, we'll do close to $2 million plus in sales this year. Uh, on top of that, some other things in terms of marketing opportunities and content, things that we do there. We have uh, 560 plus thousand followers on Instagram. Wow. Uh, we're closing in. TikTok is new. Uh, it's a thing that's definitely for a younger demographic, but we have almost 100,000 followers on that. Uh, we have a oh, Melissa. Let me take a let me take a time out there. Are yeah. you doing any TikTok videos? Are you on there talking about wipe me down? What are we What are we doing with TikTok? How are you white, using it? White. white. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, yeah, I mean Kevin like. A year ago, we started the account. It was my idea because I was trying to find where we needed to go next. And at that point in time, it skewed much younger. Thanks to quarantine, there's uh, it, it's packed with millennials now. So if you're if any person out here is looking for a millennial population to speak to, uh, they're going to listen to you in some capacity on TikTok now. So uh, while I don't personally have my own yet, uh, I am working on both YouTube and TikTok. I want to start putting out content on there because TikTok right now is the biggest opportunity for you to grow very, very quickly, a large scale audience. And in about 18 months, you'll be able to monetize that audience the same way you do Facebook or Instagram now. Uh, so while it, it still is skewing young, it's going to get older like everything else. Face, Facebook originally was only college students. Now it's everybody. Instagram was only teenagers. Now it's everybody. TikTok is only teenagers. It's going to be everybody. Uh, TikTok definitely has next in your mind. It's, it's absolutely next. And it just comes down to uh, creating a, a, a voice that speaks for you in bite-sized pieces. Yeah, I think it takes the video content that people look to YouTube for. So even the how-to videos or the art videos or things like that for the older audiences. So like 16, 17 year olds aren't usually watching how-to videos or organizing videos. But if you're pulling them up on YouTube, you probably don't want any, you probably don't need 10 minutes of how-to. You probably need about a minute. So people are taking all of that and just making it very simplified. So if you want to do this, here's how to do it quickly. And just making it very, just here you go, here you go, here you go. Because at the end of the day, if I'm trying to do something and I have to watch a 10 minute tutorial on it, I'm going to skip ahead. I'm going to get frustrated and I'm probably going to give up. But if you can give it to me very concisely and I can figure out how to do it, I'm going to keep going back to you because you're giving me what I want without me having to struggle for it. Like, I don't want to have to work for my how to's like, just tell me what I want to know. That, and that's the Einstein principle right? Make things, make things as simple as possible, not simpler, right? Yeah. Most people, especially because of how YouTube monetizes, 
it ends up being a situation where people spend a lot of time trying to describe things because view times matter. Whereas on TikTok, there's much less commercials that interrupt. And because that's the case, people can just devour content consecutively. So you can make your point. You can take a complex subject, make it simple. And that simpleness will allow people to watch more and more and more of your content. And that's how your followers rise. I think that's the biggest adjustment. I think that's the biggest challenge for my generation and entrepreneurs and business owners to understand where the pendulum is swinging and why you have to get faster and more digital very, very uh, quickly. I go back to the beginning of our work and relationship, Melissa. That's uh, exactly everything that we talked about, the younger audience, all the old things that I used to do previously and marketing, uh, people respond very, very differently. They want to see things on one platform. They want to be able to do it there. Um, so I greatly appreciate it. Uh, this, is a, this is a lot of fun. I think you guys are an awesome young power couple couple that's ready for the future because you, uh, Billy, you shared that you went to school at Stony Brook. Melissa, where did you go? I went to Post. Post, okay. My uh, oldest son graduated from Post. Billy, your marketing major. Melissa? Um, I was an English major. I actually went to grad school for English. An English major. Um, what's interesting about that, as uh, we wrap up this school year and kids go to school and parents wonder what you can do with a liberal arts degree, you can do everything. You can do everything because the ability to write content for whatever the world has next, it's everything. No matter what you have to do, you have to be able to articulate yourself quickly, concisely, and make your point. So that's a lot of the work that, that we do. Um, I don't want to give away too many secrets. Um, my fellow Allstate agents that will listen to this, they're, they're dying to know how I made the shift from what I was doing before and what I'm doing now, and I don't want to give too much away, but I'm certainly working with you, talking to you every week, letting you know exactly what's on my mind, how I'm, what I'm thinking about, what I want to do, and how I want to do it. It's made my life a whole lot, a whole lot easier. Honestly, I said to somebody earlier today that you're one of my favorite people to work with because every single time we get off the phone, I'm just like in such a great mood because I feel like we are creating something that's so fun and so different. But you're saying you don't want to give too much away and I, I definitely agree with that. But one thing that I will say is like for any of the Allstate agent out there, like it's not, what I do with you is not what would be right for somebody else. Like you're an entirely different person and you came to me and you had this excitement surrounding social media which is one of the reasons why I love working with you because you're so excited about content and social media and actually like you wanted to do this podcast which was so exciting and so fun and when you said I want to do wind down with Kev I was like yes like, <laughs> I that. um but for somebody else that's completely inauthentic and that's okay like it's yeah. not it's not what's right for you is right for everybody no, uh, absolutely. I'm on a constant quest to be my best self and to do new things. Um, so a podcast is a part of it. Uh, for me, pre-COVID, I was very much a heavy networker. I went to a lot of events. I spoke publicly a lot. Uh, we're in a world where that's not going to be cool for the foreseeable future. So a lot of the conversations we had was, how do I stay in front of people without being in front of people? And that's the impetus for the podcast. And then the, the true authenticity of Wind Down with Kev 
is I had to find a way to relax. Um, I go pretty much at 120 miles per hour at all times. Um, the hardest thing you could have asked me to do a few months ago was just relax. So when um, I couldn't drive to work, when I couldn't go to events, when all my travel to uh, NBA games and those things was over, I had to sit down and find a way to do it. So um, this is really, really good. I can remember uh, talking to you and telling you that one of the things I was having a hard time with is that I have a blank calendar. I have absolutely nothing to do today and nothing to look forward to. So we started using tools like Calendly to let clients know I was available for virtual appointments. And we started Zooming with my staff and all sorts of things that allows me to network virtually. Fast forward to today, uh, we've tapped into something that's also a big part of me, a big part of you guys as well, is how do you give back to the community virtually? How do you, how can you still be a charitable business owner without being in front of the camera or at a you know densely populated event? Um, and we're working on a wonderful event right now that will take place uh, tomorrow. So all these things are um, awesome, they're incredible, and it's been a, a fun ride. It's been a fun ride. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun with this. And I'm so excited for tomorrow night. Um, we're having the um, live DJ event. Which absolutely, is absolutely. Pass by the time this comes out, so. Absolutely, so for those that listen to it a little bit later, uh, we're working on right now the uh, VCW Juneteenth celebration. That's the Bennett's Cultural Workshop. We're celebrating Juneteenth. So for anyone that's not familiar with it, uh, Juneteenth is Independence Day for African-Americans. It's the day that we were truly free to this country. Um, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1863. However, people in a certain section of Texas, I want to say Galveston, Texas, they didn't find out that they were free until two and a half years later on June 19th of 1865. So they had put in a couple of years of labor beyond that. Um, this year, with all the other things that are happening, uh, many companies, including my own, has recognized Juneteenth as a national holiday. They're giving the day off. Uh, New York State will be recognizing it as a national holiday next year. And I think about 35 states are starting to do it. So it's all a part of starting some really good conversations for some uncomfortable conversations for others, but it's all about moving the envelope forward and doing more things together. So I'm really excited about it, excited. Uh, you're chatting with, getting to talk to my good friend, DJ Bilal today. You're talking with uh, BCW, the people from there, Finesse Cultural Workshop, uh, longest standing nonprofit organization in the YDS community. So it's all good stuff. It's, it's all exciting. Um, it's all about getting it, getting it done. And it's such a fun way to do it, too, with the live DJ event. It's so different to have the party, but without the people in person. <laughs> Absolutely. The, without the risk. Absolutely. You know, one of the words that's been used a lot during this time is, um, or the hashtag, is alone together. Yes, we are tucked away in our own space safely, but we can still be together. Um, we just had a, a great time in Wine Dance celebrating the 52nd Wine Dance Day event, which I was a big part of for a number of years, but thousands of people were able to watch uh, DJs online from one o'clock this past Saturday 
until about 12 o'clock at night. And we all danced and partied together. We chatted and talked to each other. And we named the songs they were playing. And it felt like we were in the park, but we were safely tucked away in our home. And that's what it's all about. But we know that somebody's out there. We know we're not alone and it feels good until we can do it in person again. So very, very, uh, very, very good feeling to be able to, to be able to do that and have a little bit of fun with friends without being with friends. So um, let's, let's talk about social distancing. Um, we talk every week. So I know you guys have played it to the letter. I know you've uh, stayed home, tucked away uh, pretty close. I see the hands waving. Uh, everybody's finding their own comfort zone a little bit different. So as we record this is June 18th. Um, next week, Long Island moves into phase three. And with phase three, we're phase two already, Billy, we're already here. But phase three says that we can have gatherings of 25 people, up to, but if you're from different households, we should still be wearing a mask. Talk to me about just your feelings on that in your comfort zone, with people, with masks, without masks, where are you guys at? He's looking at me. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go first? No, I'll go. Um, so I'm immune compromised. So I am very vigilant all the time. I am somebody that is, I get angry by sick people on in public places. And I always have. Um, because I've always been of the mind, like, just don't go outside if you're sick, if you can help it. Um, which I know sounds bad sometimes but um so I get sick every time we fly every time I go anywhere I end up sick for like a week and the sickest I ever was we were in Disney and we came home and I had the flu and pneumonia and I've never been so sick in my life so ever since Billy feels horrible that this happened before we did this but he wanted to start a mask company for me in my honor called it's not me it's you wow. I was going to wear a mask whenever I went places because I get sick. This was in September of last year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> He's really upset. I, I had a million masks for sale out of India for $20,000. Are you kidding? He wanted to do it so badly and we just never did. Yep. I, and one of my clients offered me $50,000 to be an owner. Oh yeah, Kevin, trust me. He's so upset. This isn't the first time. It won't be the last. I'll come up with an idea. I'll say that I don't have time. And then a world pandemic will happen, which would have made me a millionaire. And it's fine. I'm not, I'm not bitter. I'm happy with who I am. Um, but to the social distancing, I was very much of the mind, like, don't go near anybody. Like, I didn't go to the grocery store. I told you. You were like, Melissa, please don't go out by yourself because you don't she know how to know how do to work it. The world. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go um but i didn't go to the grocery store i didn't go anywhere for three months actually today i went to the liquor store to get wine and it was my first time going by myself nice anywhere it's nice i i've described people to people that life is like playing sports right now so let's use a baseball analogy if the sec second baseman goes one way to recover the ball the rest of the team has to rotate that's what it's like going to the store in New York right now. If someone moves one direction, you know quickly you have to rotate to get your six feet going in the other direction. And when they step back the other day, way, then you can move. So we're all uh, in training for sports competition right now that we're just learning our rotation. We're learning our team spacing and how to get along and how to navigate in this brave new world. Because I think um, 
we are going to live here for a little while, so we may as well get used to it. You know, I've been big on talking about moving forward, but I know that everyone has to move forward at their own pace. Yeah, I, I've said that to Melissa has been some people as this starts to come and phase four comes to completion and everything is really open and we start to move even out from what it is. You're going to see the people who have developed, for lack of a better term, PTSD. Some people won't move forward. Yes. They'll treat the world like it's coronavirus at its peak forever. And um, mm -hmm. I know that they exist and that's okay. Uh, for me personally, it's been difficult. Uh, my, my target population that I work with at my strength and conditioning business are young, healthy athletes that train all the time. Um, you look at the numbers, they're at a very, very low risk. Uh, but we're, our facility is about 4,800 square feet. And we're keeping it that there's going to be five people in one side of the building at any given time. Um, so everybody has roughly, you know, a thousand square feet to themselves. Nice. And we have garage doors that once we can fully open, the garage doors can be open. UV rays tend to, you know, be somewhat of a killer of any airborne virus. Um, but it's definitely going to be something that doesn't live. I put up an Instagram post today. The gym will be uh, capping itself. And I didn't put what that number is going to be. Uh, but that number is about 35 memberships lower than we were when we closed. Uh, there's going to be some kids that I'm going to have to say, you know, you're a, you're a baseball player. Your season starts in nine months. This player is a football player. Their season starts in two months, and we're gonna have to you know, we're gonna have to wait for them. Hi. Hi. You make the makeup, right? No. No. No, that's Kevin's friend. Oh, okay. Grand. <laughs> granddaughter made the makeup. Yes, my 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 friend's daughter makes the makeup. That's just my granddaughter made a guest appearance. I thought she was. See, I I heard the story wrong. Absolutely. I was, I was like Kevin. I love that you're making the next level of entrepreneur. No, Billy, that's a, um, I listen to you talk about the million dollar idea. That's a whole separate conversation that you and I are going to have. We've talked about young people becoming entrepreneurs. Uh, very interesting. The three of us on this call are entrepreneurs. But um, I think that the world has hit the reset button. And I think that people are going to be much better off making their own way and doing their own thing, whether that's makeup or masks or t-shirts or whatever they do. If you could provide a product or a service that helps the community and you get it at the right price point is really valuable. I think it's going to be a better place. And I think there's going to be a massive shift. Um, a lot of companies aren't going to come back from this. Uh, we're sad to receive an email today. I think it mentioned it earlier that uh, Zen Burger by you guys, that's uh, like my wife and I's favorite spot just to go grab a burger and some truffle pies and a nice glass of wine. We got an email today. They won't be reopening locally um, they just won't recover so with that being said um, the upside of this awful time we've been through is there's a ton of opportunities for a lot of people to do things a little bit differently yeah we talk about this probably every week I, I 
as a coach of young people and my business partner in baseball lifestyle, he's still only 22. Um, and I, we spend a lot of time. Melissa has gone to Huntington High School and talked on entrepreneurship and what she does. She spoke to the whole class about, you know, marketing and how she got into sports marketing and how, how she did all those things. Because, you know, we truly believe there was a there was an article written years ago. Uh, and it, it's called a thousand true fans. Okay. And the concept is if you have a thousand true fans and those thousand fans were to give you a hundred dollars a year, you make six figures. Nice. And you start to break that down and you say that's, that's less than $10 a month. So what could I make for a thousand people who truly believe in me? that they could spend $8, $8.50 a month with me. Is it a newsletter? Is it some type of email? Is it a single t-shirt? And if I have these people who truly believe so, so deeply in who I am, that they'll buy these things for me, I can create a business and I can create a livelihood for myself. And I think that there's no time better in our history for you to be able to build an online presence and to find fans from everywhere because there's somebody like you out there, right? There's somebody who thinks like you and talks like you and dresses like you. And when they see you put your voice out there, they're going to see themselves and that empowers them. Right. And then they become your fan though. And that becomes your opportunity to build a business. And I think young kids, you know, we've been, my, my oldest nephew is, is he 12? Our, he's 12. Um, <laughs> my, my oldest nephew's 12. Sorry, Chris, you're listening. Now he's going to the seventh grade next year. Yeah, he, I'm pretty sure he's 12. Um, and uh, he, we've talked to him about starting a business and we've tried to talk to him about uh, photo editing and starting their own Shopify accounts and how can they make their own business? Because if they do it now, if it if it hits, they have the rest of their lives. Absolutely. If it does something, they have the ground level of future success. We were talking about it last night too. Like my generation, your generation, they they understand the importance of an online presence and you that you can build a business online. But the fact that the generation below us is raised by people who are of the mind that you can make a business online has been so beneficial for them because at this point in time, you can make a business with really no startup money. Like you don't have to pitch investment capital. You don't have to raise money in any way. You don't have to hire a web developer. You don't have to hold anything in inventory. You don't have to have a storefront. Like all the barriers are gone. All you need is twenty six dollars. <laughs> like all you need is twenty six dollars to start, or really nothing if you want to charge for Instagram ads. It's so like so so let's let let's stop right there just for the audience. With that twenty six dollar initial investment, how would you spend that twenty six dollars? What's the first thing they have to spend it on? Ooh ooh what. The first thing that they would spend it on would be a Shopify account. And then you can find drop shipping from pretty much anywhere. So no matter what you want to sell, you can find drop shippers and it would really depend. So like if you want to sell something that's a physical product, you can find drop shippers, you can find 
print to order if you want to do t-shirts like if you're able to figure out graphic design even slightly you can put stuff on a t-shirt and you could sell it through drop shipping and you don't have to pay anything you just have to pay for the cost of the website which is 26 dollars or if you find a coupon online you could get a three month a three month three month free trial wow um wow. so the, the wine is the wine is getting to <laughs> um and then you set up emails which are free up free. until 150 email subscribers. An Instagram account is free. A Facebook page is free. A TikTok account is free. A YouTube channel is free. And from that point, like, it's really just what you do with it. And if you're... But Kevin knows the secret. And the secret is, in any service business, one of the first things that most salespeople are taught is, you know, what's like your, and I call it a 250 list. Who are the 250 people that you already have the contact information for? If the 250 people that you have in your circle, in your network, if they don't know that you have a business, don't start talking to someone who doesn't know you. No. Make sure you've gone and said to every single one of the 250 people, I have started this business. Would you or anyone you know find it interesting? It's uh, That's a good point. Steve Harvey made that point recently. Um, he always knew what he wanted to do, but he shared the story of a friend of his that cut grass from a very young age and has made himself a multimillionaire with a landscaping business because he kept doing what he loved to do. So he said, you should just find that thing that you love to do, that your family and friends think that you're great at, even if it's baking cookies, and then do that to the best of your ability. Don't do 20 things. Do that one thing that you do extremely, extremely well and stay uh, uber-focused on it until you master it. But yep. that, that hot 250, hot 100, the people you start with, that's everything. And you grow that community and you multiply it. Um, it's a 10,000 shot rules, Mal Malcolm uh, Gladwell, that, that, Gladwell, that he talks about all the time. It's, it's just repetition. And going back to your 12-year-old nephew, the sooner you start that repetition, the better off you be. Uh, training entrepreneurs, I don't think it's any different than training athletes. It's repetition. It's repetition over and over and over until you get it done, until you have so many reps that you're the master of that task because no one's done it as many times as you have. And no one's made as many mistakes, but you've learned from all those mistakes. So I think that's, I think that's absolutely awesome. So guys, we're talking entrepreneurship. We've talked the uh, pandemic, but we're supposed to be talking winding down. So let's uh, bridge toward closing with winding down. What have you done to relax? Forget the business stuff, all that. What have you done to wind down and just make things work, to get away from uh, work and being an entrepreneur? You play video games like nobody I've ever seen. I play NBA 2K. <laughs> Are you a beast? I am now a beast. Yes, I'm a beast. <laughs> I'm a beast. And I make my guy look super dorky. Okay. Like Billy Hoyle from White Man Can't Jump. I got you. So that nobody wants to, like, everybody thinks, like, oh, he's he's Billy Hoyle. Like, he won't <laughs> And I come out and I, I start raining buckets and people are very, very, like, oh, oh, wait, hold up, hold up. <laughs> I, got, I got a whole look that I very much curated to be Billy Hoyle from, from White Man Can't Jump. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I like to, and I say to her all the time, uh, the thing that I like about video games for me 
And again, I'm that's a I'm definitely age aging myself to some degree in terms of being a, a millennial in that regard. I've never not had video games. Okay. You know, so like I, when, I, when I'm a, when I'm a young kid, I had a Nintendo, right? After Nintendo, I had you know uh, I had computers and I had games I played on a computer, or I had a PlayStation and then an Xbox. So I've only always had video games. My friends, when we want to hang out, I have friends who live all over the country now. We'll play video games together. I put my headset on, and now I get to spend time with all of my best friends. So it, it's, a, it's a release there. But for me, I like a game like 2K, and the reason I enjoy it is there's a progression model to it. There's a betterment to it. Uh, and it allows me to detach all of my everyday betterment and kind of find a simplicity of it. Nice. That lets me kind of just shut down all my thinking. Because, nice. I mean, you've, you've talked to me at the gym. My brain is always going very, very hot. Um, Melissa has to tell me, stop working. <laughs> I love the clock at night where I'm sitting watching videos on how to do more things. Um, and, and, and I think like that... Uh, two videos. You're not going to pick up woodworking at 1130. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, a project is on the way. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the video games, 2K, other video games in general, 2K is just definitely what I'm into right now. Uh, it, it, it allows me to completely shut down for a short moment that not, not many other things allow me to do. And, and you have you have to hit the shutdown button. Um, so I got to check on you guys' glasses. Let's see your glasses. I'm almost on empty. Where are you at? He's on glass too. He's on glass too, and you're empty. So let, let's refill our glasses. And Melissa, I want you to restart the conversation and talk about Peloton. Oh, man. Oh, my Lance. What are you doing, Kev? I love my Peloton. <laughs> that is the greatest gift that was ever given to me. Uh, Billy gave me a Peloton for my birthday and for Let's Christmas go Billy. and for our anniversary and for my birthday every year since. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's all. I got her the I got to her the Peloton in for her birthday last year. So her birthday's in February. I knew she was also stressing about the wedding and wanting to make sure she was in shape and. I, I obviously own a gym. I have very many friends who are trainers. She has worked with about 17 different trainers. They keep firing me because I'm mean to them. Because she's become a, 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 she knows more than some of the people, and that's not a good thing. So uh, the Peloton has been great for her, and I'll let her talk about why. I okay, love Peloton. Um, so, Melissa, take it from the beginning. Believe it or not, there's a lot of people like me listening to this that don't know exactly what a Peloton is or what you do with a Peloton. So we have the Peloton bike. Um, I have been a big fan of cycling since probably I was 18. Um, I took a class when I was working at New York Sports Club, fell in love, wanted to get certified, love cycling. Um, I've gone to different spin studios. I've gone to SoulCycle. I've gone to Equinox for spin. Like I was willing to spend whatever money it took to go to spin because I love it. Um, the Peloton is a pretty high quality spin bike that goes in your living room and it has a screen on it and you can take either live classes or on-demand classes. 
and there's a leaderboard. It shows you your metrics, so how fast you're going, how hard your resistance is, what your output is, and you can see how you rank up. Um, the other really cool thing about it that's been really great for me during this time is that you can add friends on Peloton, so there's a social component to it. And you can have as many accounts on Peloton really as you want. You could have up to 25. So I made my cousin an account and she has just a bike in her house and she uses her iPad. And we've been taking a spin class together every single day. And it's just a way for us to do something together while we can. Nice. Nice. So that definitely uh, fulfills your component of being alone together. You're still with uh, a ton of other people. Uh, I have a lot of friends that are all state agents. They talk about these rides. They talk about riding with certain people that I've never uh, heard of, but they're always excited about doing it. Uh, I'm just a person that loves passion. If you're passionate about it, if you love it, I love it uh, that much more. So I'm all about just finding that passion and finding that, finding that comfort zone. Um, guys, I'm not even, I'm not even looking at my watch or my clock. I have no idea how long we've been going, but I think we've been going for a little while. So um, anything that I didn't ask you about? I mean, you're welcome to ask us whatever you want to, Kev. We're right, so hard to start off. We're, 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 not, we're not in a rush. We're winding down with Kev. Good. You're winding down? All right. So let's, let's, yeah. let's do this. Um, we open with talking about the initial pandemic. Um, when Como talks about what's happening, he likes to talk about the two pandemics. One is the health crisis, and now we have the social justice crisis. So just talk to me about um, some of the things we've seen the last couple of months, George Floyd, uh, everything else, all the protests in the march. Talk to me about um, how you see it, what you think has happened, and what your reaction has been to everything. Can I go? Yeah. Uh, so the, the whole situation that our country finds ourselves in is not unfamiliar right we've seen some of this happen before but it never hit the critical mass that it's hitting now and it's a bad thing that it hadn't hit sooner but it's a good thing that it at least finally hit and the pressure and again i i say that this is our generation you know some people like to say millennials are snowflakes and are x or y but then at the same time say that, oh, you guys are rioting in the streets and going crazy and being, well, so either we're afraid to make a stand or we're too aggressive with our stand. The reality is, is that we, we've, we've lived in a world where our favorite music doesn't matter what color you are, right? Our favorite athlete doesn't matter what color you are. Um, and we've never had a world where that wasn't the case. Right. I was born in a world where Michael Jordan was the best athlete in the world. Doesn't matter, right? Before me, you might have thought Larry Bird was the best player. You might have thought somebody else was. I was born in a world where that just doesn't exist. And it, it hit a critical mass, and we're getting change, and we're getting change that we always needed, right? And my generation, we felt like we had had some success when – Barack Obama had been voted in as president. We felt like, hey, there's a change. And the current political landscape has led itself to be that we clearly didn't have as much change as we thought. Uh, 
and now you're seeing that frustration and you're seeing that from not just the black community, but you're seeing it from a white community that has felt like they didn't want to be vocal about it because they didn't want to take away from a black voice. They didn't want to take away from that voice, but they also didn't know if it was a place to say something. Now nobody cares. Everybody's saying this is messed up. Things need to change. Um, I've said to Melissa before, I, I have, you know, uh, a very diverse friend group and I've driven in the car and been in a back seat with one of my friend's uh, kids when they were a baby. And I was leaning over and just kind of playing with the baby and everything's okay. We got pulled over by a cop mm-hmm. and that cop came to the whole thing very aggressively. And I'm in the back and I sit up, he sees me in the back and the environment shifts. And I tell that story and th- we were coming back from North Carolina or se- yeah, North Carolina from my friend's wedding. And I remember it very vividly because I had been in that situation before. This wasn't rare, but my friend's child was in the back seat. And the shift of seeing me and a baby, I watched a very, very stark change in the officer. And I knew how wrong that was. And there's a lot of people who are uncomfortable with the fact that everyone knows that this has always been a thing, but nobody wants to say it or doesn't want to accept it. And it's like, just accept it and change it. And I see, you know, people saying defunds the police. And I don't know the ins and outs of what that actually would mean, but I know that we need to have a change and we need to have a difference and stuff needs to be altered because there's a lot of history in the police department and that history gets passed down to the next generation. And the sad thing is a lot of police forces have a history that leads back to a time in our country where it was okay to do the wrong thing. Absolutely. Change. And, And that, and I'm glad we're seeing some change. And while I think that there's, there's protesting and there's things that, that, maybe border on the line of protesting with a cause and protesting with anger. I think that some of it's needed because we've gotten too comfortable as a country with being comfortable and we need to have more uncomfortability because it's the only way we're ever going to change. Right. When Kev, when you first came to the gym and you were working out, there were things that caused you discomfort, but in that discomfort, you found progress. Absolutely. Our country needs a little bit discomfort, and I think this discomfort will lead to proper progress. I think that's a a great analogy. Uh, No pain, no gain, but you have to go through the pain. Um, You've talked a lot about millennials and Generation X and Generation Y. Um, I'm from a generation that doesn't know war on American turf. We just don't know what it's like. There are people that have grown up in countries that we're hearing bombs and certain things that's commonplace. We just don't know it. You know, we're fortunate to be sheltered, but now the shelter has been pulled back and we're, um, 
and we're exposed a little bit. It's difficult, it's uncomfortable, and it's something that we all have to grow through. Um, I share with Melissa and doing the podcast, I'm going to make myself comfortable having uncomfortable conversations because we have to. We owe this uncomfortable civil conversation to each other to get to a better place. It's not a finger pointing conversation. It's not a blaming conversation. It's uh, it's what you said. It's accepting the reality of what was. It's accepting the reality of what, in many cases, still is. But knowing these things, how do we move forward from here? So um, while this is difficult, I'm excited about what the prospects of the future, what they hold. And I know there'll be a lot of pain before there's a lot of gain. Um, but I definitely feel uh, more optimistic about the world that my grandson will be will live in than the world that I've lived in or that my sons live in currently. But I think that my grandson, who's not a year old, I think he'll live in a much, much better world. Melissa, anything to add to it? Did we miss you on that at all? I've been, I think the, the number one thing from the very beginning, so a couple years, five years ago, our nephew was born and our nephew is biracial. And in that moment, it was really the first moment where I was confronted with, he's going to have a very different reality than I had. And seeing what happened with George Floyd, like I was distraught and so upset. And I think the best way that I will never tell somebody, like I will never tell somebody how to react. I will never tell somebody what's right and what's wrong in their reaction, but I'll support whatever I think will help change happen. And I think what Billy said, like no pain, no gain. It, we, you and I had talked like the uncomfortable conversations are uncomfortable because we've never had them before. So having those conversations, they are gonna be uncomfortable at first, but having those conversations are so hugely important to change the world that your grandson is going to grow up in, my nephew is going to grow up in, because right now it's scary. <laughs> and to change that for the better is something that's so important. Absolutely. I th and I think the onus is on all of us. Uh, there's a great post uh, that's being shared all over social media right now. And it says racism doesn't live here because my whole family looks like this. And it's all this but every fist is a different color. So it starts with white and it progresses with every uh, every shade of humanity that's out there. So I'm excited about the, uh, I'm excited about the future, um, but don't pay attention to me. I'm always optimistic about everything. So don't base anything on my reality. It's, uh, it's somewhere in optimistic, optimistic land. But, um, but Kevin, the difference is, and, and I agree, some people are eternal optimists and some people are eternal optimists with action. And I think that you and I have discussed, you're, you're taking action. Um, doing something matters. Saying something matters. And you can be optimistic that things will change because you are actively pursuing that change. People who are apt, optimistic and they think things will just get better without ever having to do anything to get there isn't the right thing. I, I can take action and be uncomfortable and I can be optimistic because I'm willing to be uncomfortable. And Billy, that's well said. So let me give you some of your words back. Um, in different conversations, you've said, I'm 
all about that action um, with, with different reference points. But I'll take that word. I'm definitely all about that, that action. I'm watching the world change around me. And my nature is to be silent and to be observant until I know exactly what I want to do. I live by a rule that says, um, think global, but act local. There's a lot of horrible things happening in every part of the world, but I can't touch it. You know, there's some gross injustice that's happening in Australia right now that I don't know about, that I can't impact, that I can't impact at all. However, if there's something happening in the next town next to me, in the town of Wyditch, where I grew up, I can impact that. So I'm always focused on that. I'm always help, focused on helping one child besides my own. And um, I think the best note that we can bring this to closure on is something we talked about earlier and something I think collectively we're going to work on. Ever since we talked last year, Billy, about the uh, companies that you want your nephew to start and how young Josh was in starting his company, the idea has been in my head that I would love to have some sort of entrepreneur club with kids in Wyandanch High School so they can learn how to jumpstart businesses at an early age. Um, I think all kids have the aptitude to do it. If you can navigate a smartphone, if you have access to one, there's nothing in the world that you can't do. The only other thing you need is some structure and some direction as to what to do. Um, not enough time for this topic, but I think the whole education system is getting ready to get overhauled. How we learn, what we learn, and what's important that we learn is going to be very, very different. Some things will be mainstays. English will be very important. It's going to be very important to be able to speak and articulate the language. Math will always be important. But some of the other things we spend too much time on, and they don't add value to the future. So the sooner you've gotten one cycle of that through middle school, I think it's very important by your high school years to begin to hone in on some real talent, not athletic talent, but entrepreneurial talent, something that you can do over and over again. So I get excited when I hear about your nephew. I get excited when I see um, – Kalise, my friend's daughter, that's starting her online business because I know the future is very, very bright and it's going to be bright for everybody. Uh, technology evens the playing field. It really, really does. Nothing like technology to even the playing field. That if you have a good product, good service, and the price point is right, people will buy from you if you deliver what you say that you have. So, I'm excited about uh, everything. Um, I'm excited. I'm very thankful for you guys to have this awesome conversation. Glad we could pull it off. Uh, so let's close with a final toast. We'll see what's in your glass. Good. You got a little on the bottom. Billy, what are we working with? Okay. Got enough. Good. Enough. All right. A final toast to all good things. Toast. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us on. We appreciate it. Thank you for being here. All good things. Take care, guys. Talk to you. Thank you for tuning in to Wind Down with Kev. You can find Kevin Span, the insurance guru, on Facebook at AKS Insurance, Instagram at Kevin Span underscore insurance guru, and on Twitter at Kevin Span Guru. Have a topic you would like to discuss or a guest you would like to see on the show? Send Kevin an email at Kevin Span at allstate.com.